Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 2, and last time we the sermon was titled The Sad Truth, and what was sad about it was that you know, from God's perspective, and his perspective is always right, that the human race has declined into unrighteousness, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, we talked about just the different, I guess, sins and uh, the ways that people in their minds go away from God and then in their actions. Uh, and today, the message is titled Boomerang Judgment. This actually covers the other group of people, the other side, sadly, which may be more self-deceived. This is the judgmental folks. Uh, The Apostle Paul is speaking about those who have a judgmental spirit, a critical spirit, and speaking to them, thinking that they're going to be saved or by following the law or uh, following religious rites or being a good person. Uh, But then looking down on others, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that they're also under the same judgment. The irony is both groups need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bridged the righteousness gap. There's a huge chasm between sinful mankind and a holy and righteous, perfect God. And Jesus is like that bridge that helps us get to God. So it's very important. The reason why I titled the message Boomerang Judgment, it's amazing how the mind works. Maybe mine's a little different than everybody else's, but I could, I thought of a boomerang. You know, when you throw a boomerang, it just, you turn around and it could come back and hit you in the back of the head. So the judgmental person is really throwing a boomerang in that they don't understand that they're, that only God can judge. And to take his role is something very serious. To say that, oh, grace is, is okay, but, but I'm righteous and I'm going to get there by good works or because I'm a good person is very, very dangerous. And I think that all of us can have a memory or think about a time where somebody judged us. I know I can. And it's happened many a times. Uh, and the saddest thing is when somebody who's a self-professed Christian uh, has judged us in a way that's been very harsh. And it, it's, it's hurtful, it's painful, because we should be shown love and grace. So we're going to look at this in two sermons. The next sermon will be in two weeks, because we have Resurrection Sunday next week. Uh, and we're going to look at it three parts this morning. So let's jump in in Romans 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore... You are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? So one out of three is be careful of judging. Now, again, the context from last Sunday was the 
you, you know, again, back in that day, in the first century, you really had the world as far as a spiritual context was the the Jews who understood the monotheistic God and everybody else who was, you know, Greco-Roman world, uh, poly, uh, polytheism, practicing all kinds of things. So the Gentiles were, were really lost, and God wanted to bring them into the fold, and that happened through Christ. But it's also, it also can speak about what's going on today. You know what I'm saying? For the lost, we should be looking to win them to Christ, not looking to judge them. It doesn't make sense. You know, some sins are obvious. Uh, and then others who are judgmental, they hide those sins very well because they put on a certain facade. So if I, I'm just going to turn to two scriptures. The first one is Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Matthew 7. Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. It's proportional. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, there's a plank in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Another scripture, if you turn with me to Luke 18, 9 through 14. Luke 18, it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It was a parable, but no doubt it happened on many occasions. It says, also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And the human race can fall into two categories. The one that is struggling, wants God, you know, wants to repent. And those that they're leaning on something, themselves, their obedience, supposedly their religious rights, and they despise others. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. This was a very high order of religious a religious order, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. That's very important. He's saying he's praying to God, but he's praying with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 1 in Romans, the Apostle Paul says, you practice the same thing. Sometimes judging is a form of projection. We don't like something in our... It's just weird how the the human mind kind of works, the psyche and some people's patterns that they get into. But, you know, you project that onto somebody else or you really don't like somebody who does similar things than you, but cognitive dissonance, you know, you have an issue. How can I not be happy with myself and force myself to change? Let me just look at that person with the same sins and... And judge them and be mean to them. Um, some of these things happen, maybe not consciously, but they do happen. Uh, blame shifting, all these type of things can happen when it comes to judging. Now, it could be the same sins, 
that the person's committing, but the person's committing it in their mind. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you're just as guilty. You've committed that sin, right? Jesus is showing us our need for a Savior, or the person's committing different sins. Either way, there's still sins against God. And that should be very scary to those who are self-righteous and judgmental. Judgment is only reserved for God. I mean, do we really want to go down the road where we're asking God to judge according to justice? Well, I don't know about you, but I'll take grace over justice for me any day of the week (laughs) because I've sinned enough in my old life. I've sinned enough being a Christian. I've sinned enough being a pastor that my sins will condemn me. So I'm relying on the goodness of Christ and his sacrifice for my sins on the cross And he said, I'm going to be welcomed into the kingdom when I die, which is great. Not on my merits, but on his merits. Very important to understand. The judgmental person almost does this shifting where they, maybe they receive Christ. uh, Maybe they didn't receive Christ, but they start to take the, the, the responsibility or the weight of that justice away from Christ and, and act as if they, are the ones that can be just and righteousness. And we talked about this in the introduction uh, to Romans. We talked about justification. We talked about uh, righteousness, imputation, all these big words and what they mean. So it's a a kind of mental gymnastics that go on in somebody's head. I personally feel that I don't judge anybody at this stage in my life. You know, the more I read the scripture, I know this Bible from Genesis 1 all the way to the last chapter of Revelation. And I know what it says. And I know that I'm not righteous. And I need Christ. So the caveat to judging is... I did, I I think it was in 1 Corinthians, I did a whole teaching on judging, and I'm doing it a little bit different now, I'm making it more pragmatic. What I did back then was I went into the Greek words and what they mean. The word, when you say to judge, it has a very large semantic range. So when, actually if you look it up in the English dictionary, you can also find a ton of, dozens of synonyms. Judging can mean, and it it's, can be a vague word that has to be used in context. Judging can mean if I eat the apple pie uh, versus the blueberry pie, I like blueberry better, and I made a judgment, right? Which is innocuous. It means nothing. It harms nobody. Now, think of everything in between to the, the other end of the range of the word judging, which is damning somebody to hell. So when you look at this wide range, that's why in the Bible you have to look at context. Uh, the Greek words are krino, krisis, krima, anakrino, katakrino, dokimazo. I mean, there are all these Greek words that have to do with a, a portion of judgment. That's why it's so important when we read the Bible to read it in context. There is an acceptable form of judging, but it isn't over here. This other end of the uh, spectrum is only reserved for God, Right? See what I'm saying here? Um, and this is what we have, this semantic range. The other thing is if there's right discipline or trying to keep order, that's not judging. That's saying, hey, that's bad behavior. Um, and it's great if you can say to a person, you, you really shouldn't do that. You're causing problems without judging them. Just say, listen, the behavior's the issue there. So that's not what he's talking about either. Um, it's, it's almost like a person who's judging when you talk about the other extreme where they kind of put you in a box. So a person who's, you know, and, and again, uh, some of you have had this. Um, I've experienced it as a new believer. 
I've had some awesome mentor, mentors. I've had some awesome accountability people. And then there's been a few, and, and every church has them, that they're just cold. You know, there's, there's no love there. They're, you almost feel like that you're under their thumb mentally. You know, they're always, you're always worried about what they're going to say about you. And, and that's sad when somebody gives that off, okay? It's a, it's a very unhealthy form of judging. Now, I would just say this. There was a point in my life where I, my attitude was, you know what? I only have to please God. I have to do what's right in God's eyes. And personally, I don't care who it is on the planet, I'd rather be judged. David said this, right? King David, I'd rather take your punishment for what I did, whatever it is, than take man's punishment. You know, I'll, I'll take God examining me any day of the week over a person because sinful flesh cannot do this type of thing, right? A lot of things going on here. Verses four through five, and I just say, just a little counseling from the pulpit, don't feel like you have to meet a person's expectations. If you're doing right before the Lord, you might be different. You might be, you know, we, we come in different colors, shapes, and sizes. We have different spiritual gifts. Um, the whole cookie cutter thing is weird. Uh, we, we shouldn't feel like we have to fit into somebody's gaze or somebody's idea of what a Christian should be. You know what the word says. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You walk according to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. When you break free from other people's yokes, there's great freedom. You know, it's just, it's just an amazing thing. And everybody has to get to that point in their life. Verse 4, we continue. He says, or do you despise, the, the Apostle Paul speaking to the judgmental person, do you despise the riches of his, God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God is what leads you to repentance, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent or your unrepentant heart, you judgmental person? You're looking at that person that you perceive as a sinner or not right. You're looking at them as unrepentant, but I'm saying by the Holy Spirit that you're the one who's being unrepentant with your attitude. He says, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This is pretty serious. So two out of three is judging is a sin that needs repentance. And some of these verses really don't need much of a commentary. It's pretty much black and white. It's pretty much plain and simple what he means here. You know, the irony is that the self-righteous, the critical spirit, the judging person, right? They almost as if they take God's grace for themselves, but then they don't want it to be extended to anybody else. And that's strange. And that's mean. They kind of cut it off. You know, we, we see similarities with forgiveness. I'm not going to go through the whole parable, but in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, Jesus speaks very strongly on forgiveness. And there's a reflective property here. You know, if you're the type of person that goes around and some people like just look to be offended, you know, and then they're, they don't forgive this person. They don't forgive that person. I mean, they live a lifestyle. Lifestyle is key here. Because when somebody hurts you really deeply, sometimes it takes a while for that forgiveness. You know, you're begging God, Lord, I want to let this go. You know, you want to do the right thing. But there's just this type of person where they're just always, there's always a grudge with somebody. There's always a beef. They're always offended. And Jesus says, listen, if you have that pattern of unforgiveness, the Bible says that you're not going to be forgiven. So you see these reflective principles. It's almost like we have to hold a mirror up sometime and say, is that person in the mirror part of the problem instead of looking at everybody else? Are we being judgmental? Are we being unforgiveness? 
And there's a lot of different words, you know, synonyms, you know, the moralist or the prig, the critical spirit. Again, they're presuming on God's grace, but want to cut it off with themselves and not extend it to anyone else, right? He says, do you despise God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Because this is what leads to people, this is what leads sinners to repentance, these things, not being judgmental. How many people got saved or how many people became wonderful Christians because they sat on a very critical, judgmental person? Not many. They usually either leave a church or they walk away or maybe they make the unfair connection with that person, with God, and they walk away from God. So judgmental people, I don't see a lot of fruit in their lives. It's not like they're winning everybody with love um, because it's, it's God's grace and his love that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness, you know? The judgmental person is a hindrance. God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, this is why God doesn't strike people down when they uh, use his name in vain on a regular basis. You know, they say things that are uh, blasphemous. Um, you know, unfortunately, I still have memories of my former life before I became a Christian. And I'm going to say that this probably in my anger, I said some things that I probably should have been struck down. And this is why I'm up here doing this, folks, because I get it. Doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. I get his love. I get his grace. So I want everybody else to, to know that. And it was God's grace that won me, not his judgment. So God has forgiven me. Um, if somebody does things that are wrong, I, I try not to take it personally. Because, you know, who am I to hold that person in a prison when God freed me? You see what I'm saying? Now, here's the caveat. And there's always a caveat. And unfortunately, people like to live in the extremes. And in this church, we try to provide balance in, in every teaching. The caveat is that... A person who's a carnal Christian, who's really living on the edge, who really wants everything that the world has, but also wants to get into heaven, they'll say this. Here, this is the other extreme, right? We're going all the way to the other side. They'll, they'll always say, that's their favorite line, you're judging me. They don't take advice. They don't take counseling. They don't take anyone speaking truth into their life. Um, you know, they only surround themselves with those that tell them what they want to hear. So you've experienced it, you've heard it, and that type of person, eventually people stop speaking into their lives because they always use that as the trigger to stop others from lovingly bringing some truth into their lives. So keep that in mind as well. Verse 6, we continue, and this is actually the last few verses for this morning. He said, who God will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. This is kind of where the Apostle Paul turns these two people. He, he turns the whole judging thing. He turns it on its head. So the judgmental person will read this and maybe right away get irritated, maybe not finish it. Maybe they're so self-deluded that they don't see themselves in this. But the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if you're judgmental, you're the one who needs to worry about, you know, these things. You're the one who needs to be concerned about your walk with the Lord because God didn't give you that uh, office to start judging people and you're doing it. He says, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
for there is no partiality with God. So three is that those that judge won't survive the judgment. Now, we're not saved by deeds and works, but the judgmental person is almost trying that out a little bit. You know, they're moving into a territory where they've arrived. (laughs) I've heard that expression. The person's arrived. They're on a plateau. They're unteachable at this point. They don't listen. They're not accountable. And they're going to be everyone's judge. I don't know how this happens. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I, um, you know, I came to Christ and I went to a big church. And (laughs) every once in a while, I would run into somebody from my old life. It happens. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool, you got saved too. There was this one person, and I'm gonna, not going to go into detail for obvious reasons. There was this one person who we took separate paths. My path was I really wanted to love people into the kingdom. This person became very self-righteous, very sanctimonious, and this person was just harsh in their dealings with others. And, you know, I didn't really hang with this person that much, but my attitude, and I thought, wait a minute, I remember the parties that you used to go to. I remember the people that you ran with. I remember the things that, you know, we did in that lifestyle. And how can you act like this? You see what I'm saying? I know what I was saved from. And when I say that, I I say it a lot. People are like, well, what did you do? Did you kill somebody? I didn't kill anybody. All right? (laughs) No one's going to find anything. They're not going to take me away. It's, It's nothing like that. But I just, I get it. I understand what I was saved from. So... I don't get it. I don't get that type of person. You know, Jesus excoriated the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Matthew 23. There's a whole chapter dedicated to Jesus. Who is Jesus the harshest with? Not the woman at the well, right? Not the woman caught in adultery. Not the uh, religious leader who's actually now starting to seek him. But he was the harshest with the religious system. Because they had the vestments, they had the, the, the things that they said. Uh, it was, they were almost like acting, the way they portrayed themselves. And the people would pass them on the street and go, Oh, I, wonder, I don't think I could ever be. And that's the problem. I don't think I could ever be like that person. How do you know what they do in their spare time? How do you know what's rolling around in their head? Jesus knew, and he exposed it. And that's another problem with this judging and this, you know, this pomp. Because what happens is the average person thinks I could never get to God. God would never accept me because I can't be like that person. Jesus is like, I don't want you to be like that person. Be yourself. Come to God. You see what I'm saying? So this is just one of those messages that's just where we are in Scripture, that it, it scratches where people are itching. Um, Jesus, the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, Jesus said that the person who... Uh, who's doing, even their heart motives are wrong. They're doing their religious duties. They're doing their self-righteous behavior as a show. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, you have your reward. What does that mean? That means when they die, if they have trusted in Christ, or they haven't, oh, but remember when I did that? The Lord's going to be like, you had your reward. That was your reward right there when everybody looked at you and said, oh, and they liked you on social media and all that stuff. You, that was your reward. You're not getting anything up here. That means nothing because your heart motives are wrong. First Corinthians 3, another situation where the Apostle Paul speaks about those that get into heaven kind of barely and their works are completely burned up. They don't have any good works to bring with them. Because the motives were wrong. So I'll give you another example. And this disclaimer, this didn't happen and it won't happen. 
but just for the sake of illustration. So Pastor Joe, on a, a bright day in Jamesburg, he sees a disabled person struggling to get across the street. So Pastor Joe helps this person, almost carrying them across the street, and there's people everywhere. And the whole time, Pastor Joe's taking selfies and he's videoing it, right? <laughs> Then Pastor Joe goes home and he puts it on the Monroe Jamesburg wall so everybody could see what a great pastor he is. Where do you think that work is going? (laughs) Right? It's ash. Because the motives are wrong. God sees the heart. You know, be yourself, love God, and with, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just going to do things. And your left hand many times will not know what your right hand is doing, as Jesus said. You know, there's an expression that says some people you might think to see in heaven won't be there. And some you think will never, never make it end up there. And trust me, you know, folks from back in the day, they'd be like, you're a pastor? You got saved? You know what I'm saying? God is good. He's merciful. See, I have my own moral maxim, and it goes like this. Mind your own business. Be concerned about your own walk, and you can't go wrong. That's just me. So we continue. Verse 9. So he talks about the tribulation and the anguish is for those that think the judgmental person, the critical spirit, that they think that they're going to get to heaven because they're good, because God needs them. And God needs them to judge everybody else. Listen, all have sinned and therefore have missed heaven, period. So when we take Romans 1 and 2, we're going to get to some chapters that are even more encouraging because we talk about the imputation of faith. We're talking about the person who's faithful. You know, look at King David. His life was, the Bible said he had a heart after God. Um, But when he sinned, he sinned big. But he was truly repentant. So you look at the sum total of King David's life, right? And you see he was a faithful person. Yeah, but... The judgmental person will read the Bible and say, but look at that sin. How could, you, how could God forgive him? How do you read the Bible? How do you see the Bible? Do you see it for what it says or do you see it for your preconceived notions? Same thing with Christians. A, a, a Christian, listen, we mess up. We fall, right? We, uh, we have bumps in the road as Christians. We sin. We backslide at times. But the sum total of our life that we're, we're having faith in God and, and he's our north star and we're continually focused on him. But we, we diverge here and there. But what is the sum total of our life? Trusting in God, loving God, really trying to do better, trying to live by his word. Okay, then you're, you're probably in a really good place. So verse 7 and 10, he speaks about those that try to get to heaven you know, through their works. And that's the Bible says that you can't get to heaven through your works. But the judgmental person almost turns this thing around where sort of like they relied on grace, but now they're, they're running on their works. You know, and again, God needs them. I know I'm being a little repetitive here, but I think it's important. To the critical and the judgmental, do you really think that you can get to heaven by your works? Do you really think it's a smart hand to play to take God's, you know, he speaks about judgment according to truth, right? We're going to talk about uh, judgment according to deeds. When you start to put all these things together, no one's going to survive God's judgment. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. To the Jew first and then the Gentile just denotes order. God plays no favorites, right? And God's going to talk about that. So as we go further in this, he's going to say, all right, uh, this is 
the Apostle Paul. He's Jewish. He's a, a rabbi. He became a believer. And he starts to speak to his own people. And he says, listen, if you're a Jew, you're going to be judged by the law. You think you have the law. The law is going to save you. The law was never designed to save you. It was actually designed to show you your need for a savior, to show you that you are unrighteous. To the Gentile, you don't have the law. You think you're going to get away with it? No. God will judge you according to your conscience. So Jesus Christ, it's amazing the order in this. He, he came for everybody. And he came wherever you are, wherever your issue is, there's one Christ and one sacrifice for sins. And all we have to do is believe, trust in that sacrifice, and we're good. So I titled today's message, Boomerang Judgment. Again, either the judgmental person, the critical spirit, it's going to come back on you. Judgment in humans lacks love, it lacks grace, it lacks truth, right? It has a disdain for the tax collector that comes to Christ. So what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? And, and this happens, you know, the judgmental person in the church, maybe they scope the church, maybe they're looking around, maybe they see somebody that doesn't what they think fits the mold. The person who went to prison and they have tattoos, they, 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 already, they already have a problem with that person. The person who had an addiction to heroin or some type of drug and they find out you can never be good in their eyes. The girl who's had two abortions, what did she do? Oh, this is, I found that out, you know what I'm saying? I got to be honest with you, I had, um, <laughs> a few, many years back, I ran into somebody while I was on my other job, or my job, my career at the time, and he was, um, he just was a harsh person. He uh, was in an outlaw biker gang. I can't say what it is from the pulpit. Um, so there's just, believe me, there's a lot to this. And he had an unflattering tattoo of Jesus on his chest. He had swastikas, all that kind of stuff. And in my flesh, I was going towards judgment. And the Lord got a hold of me and had talked me into witnessing to him. And it, it's a funny thing in the DeProsimo household because I'll call my wife up and say, all right, for the next few weeks, the DeProsimo household is on high security. <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting into. Uh, this guy's, his relations and stuff were, uh, were very dangerous people. You know what, though? After months of witnessing him and trying to love him, he actually, at some point, he got to a good place and he actually came to church a few times. I think he ended up moving away. I haven't seen him in a while. But, you know, in the flesh, every person can be judgmental. But... Every person is winnable. See, that's the point. Every person is savable. Every person is winnable. There is nobody outside of that. And again, you've got to think to yourself, what did I do before I, uh, well, I didn't kill anybody. Is that really the standard? Jesus says in your heart, if you've, if you've even thought about hurting somebody, well, you're just, you're going through it in your head, but you didn't actually do it. You still committed that sin. What do we read today? We read that the tax collector was justified because he repented. And you could see, amazing, Jesus tells this, the details. He beats his breast. He can't look up at heaven to God. While the tax, the Pharisee is, you know, like he's so great. And, and he points at the other guy and says, he shouldn't even be in the temple with me. This guy's, he's a sellout. He's a crook. He's no good. So Jesus tells us that the tax collector was justified. And that must have rocked the religious world when they heard that. 
They, that must have really bothered them. That must have, they must have felt like he can't be the Messiah if he really thinks that. Those people. And listen, in every society, there's, a, there's an echelon. There's a caste system. In the United States, it's the same thing. Those people. When we start going down that road, we have a problem. And we're becoming judgmental. You know, you have a problem with the culture, so do I. Are you doing anything to try to win people to Jesus? Because that's what it's all about. So I prefer, my preference now, where I'm at, is the person who's struggling with sin. And maybe they keep falling down. My person is to try to help them and bring, or bring them closer to God than to judge them. Because personally, I'm in no position. And God didn't qualify. He didn't ordain me to judge. And, and honestly, I think that's the way we need to handle it. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.